Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. Again, sounding confused. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's supernatural. What do you expect? (laughs) And today we are going to be talking about the 20th episode of season two of Supernatural titled What Is and What Should Never Be. Jamie, what do you think? Okay. I'm going to completely miss the point of this episode for a minute here just because I want to talk about it. Okay, it's an interesting sentence, but sure, go on. When Dean mows the lawn, he's doing jack shit. It's like an inch off the, like, A, the lawn doesn't need to be mowed. No, it doesn't. And B, the lawnmower's nowhere near the lawn. Yeah, I know. I also noticed that. (laughs) Although I do... And, like, I know that that was not the thing I should have taken away from this episode, but also, like, I want to talk about it. I think the funniest part for me is that I related so hard to him struggling to mow the lawn because I where the lawn is in my house, it's, like, surrounded by walls, so it's really hard to turn the fucking mower because just what you get to either end of the... And you're trying to... You have to, like, pick up the whole fucking thing and, like, rotate it manually. You can't just, like, turn it in a nice... It doesn't work. So I really, like, the movement that he's doing to mow the lawn, and it's supposed to be, like, oh, because he doesn't know how to do it because he's never done it before, which is its own heartbreaking thing. Literally is me mowing the lawn in real life at my house because I can't effectively turn the mower around. It's just impossible. I was watching that, and I felt called out. (laughs) Why? Because you don't know how to mow a lawn properly. No, because I can't physically. So I'm having to do these weird little manoeuvres the way that he is. But it's not because I don't know how to do it. It's just because the, the I'm constricted by architecture and poor landscaping choices made by the people who own the house that I rent. That I can't change. <laughs> Beth's Dean coding, coding is getting more severe. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes, no. The lawnmower, sure. Um... I adore this episode. I really do. The Jin, for me, I'm going to quickly preface this with, I don't really, I'm not familiar with the source material that they pull the lore of the Jin from. I did do a little bit of like just quick Googling earlier today to see if I could find like a lot of information. It seems like there's a lot of different interpretations of what a Jin is. Um, it seems like sometimes they're equated to like angels or demons. There's times they're more equated to like people. There's different iterations of them where they reside in like various different places. And it, it seems like, and again, bear in mind, I'm unfamiliar with the topic and I did not a huge amount of research, but I just wanted to quickly preface like, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the accuracy of the way that they depict the Jin as compared to like the source material, but the way the monster that is presented in Supernatural that they have called a Jin mm. is my favorite monster in the show. I do we see any other Jins over the course of the, or just yes okay. we we do see a handful of them. I think probably at least four. Okay, so they're rare, but they're not like extinct like vampires. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So. And also, the, I'm never letting that go. <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to. Um, and the reason why I love them so much is because, for me, the narrative purpose of a monster that can grant you 
your deepest desire, but it's a fantasy and the reality is that you are slowly being drained of your life in the real world. That concept to me, it just hits as like such a galaxy brain like scenario because you learn so much about the characters who are within their fantasy. And it's so much about the internal struggle of whether or not like because by the end of this episode, Dean knows what's going on. He knows that if he stays, he'll die. Mm. But it's still a difficult decision for him to make to come back and to not just succumb to this fantasy. And obviously, we're kind of, I'm kind of jumping the gun. We're getting right into the very end. But look, I jumped us to the middle. Now you're just jumping yeah. us all the way to the end. <laughs> this episode's going to be over in like five minutes. But no. Okay, we're done. Five minutes <laughs> is I, I just think. That as like a narrative tool, this monster is fantastic. And I think that all of the episodes, we have them. We just, we learn so much. And it's such a unique perspective on those characters that's very vulnerable, very personal. And you don't get to see them in these scenarios very much outside of fake scenarios. Because this isn't their life. Mm. And that's kind of the point. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to, right off the right off the bat, I just wanted to put that out there. That's kind of my stance. If you know more about this, more about the gin and like the the law behind and the gin. culture behind it, please let me know. Let me know. Like send me a post on Tumblr. I'll keep doing some reading into it because I do actually just think it's very interesting. But I just wanted to mention, like, from my very brief look trying to see if there was anything concrete about it it seemed like it was just very varied in terms of the actual source material yeah so it looks like they've sort of cherry picked bits and pieces and which is fine we don't mind if they cherry pick bits and pieces it's when they as long as it's respectful it's when they fully (laughs) just like appropriate something and then misrepresent the entire thing then it becomes an issue yeah it seems like a the the gin, as they presented it, is sort of an amalgamation of, like, multiple different takes and they've sort of taken certain attributes from each area and then kind of compiled them and then presented it as their version of it. Yeah. A little bit like Bloody Mary, but yeah. because this is specifically from the Quran and it's more of a... <laughs> it's not a folk tale. It's it's based in people's beliefs and in yeah. religious texts. It's a little bit more. You want to, you know, be more respectful about it. So, yeah. If there is anything that we should be aware of, please let us know. Send us sources. I would, you know, be very fascinated to read them. Anyway, (laughs) moving into the actual episode, did you have anything that you wanted to start us off on? Any? I mean, I did start us off with the lawnmower. Oh, well, (laughs) other than the lawnmower, I'm really really interested to know what you thought about this episode because, like I said, it's one of my favourites and I'm sure you can understand why. Yeah. Um, And I just want to know. Again, Supernatural's done the metronome meme. And it's gone from Sam heavy episodes all the way back to this is Dean. Like it's the Dean show now. Honestly, like it says like a little bit about Sam, but like not actually that much about Sam because from what the way I'm interpreting what the Dean does is it presents what the person thinks their life would be like if their wish came true. Like it's not like a this is exactly how your life would have gone down if you know, like, so in Dean's case, it is not, like, this is exactly where you would be right now if Mary hadn't died. It is, 
this is where you think you would be based on what you know if Mary hadn't died. Yeah, like it's, it's not it's not like an objective No reality. This is what reality would be if this didn't happen. It's like no, a No, it's so the way it's that, filtered through the character's perception of the world. What I sort of liken it to is the Matrix. Yes. So it's this idea that everyone's you know, or in this case Dean has been put into this world where he's comfortable. But just like in The Matrix, they make the point where they can't make it a paradise because it's not believable. People need something that's wrong to hold Mm. on to and it has to be believable to them. Yeah. And what is so interesting and so upsetting is that in Dean's fantasy world, the thing that is not perfect is him. Everyone thinks he's he's an alcoholic and he doesn't remember his mum's birthday and... He's not that close with Sam. He's not close with... Like, and it's, it's, like... It's really... Though I did find it really funny, though, that the entire episode, they're like, are you drinking again? And he's, like, perfectly sober. And the one time he decides to have a beer... Yeah. Sam's like, drinking a fucking... Like... Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like if he wasn't somehow a fuck-up, like, if if he didn't have something that, like, made him, like, a disappointment to those around him, he wouldn't believe it. Um, before we get too far off the topic of the djinn as a monster, I just wanted to, like, talk about, I really like the design of the Mm. monster. Like, I really love, like, the markings and the, like, they're very unique looking, Mm. especially compared to, like, a lot of the other, like, beings that we get. So, like, you have vampires, but they, like, mostly just look like people except for the fangs or, like... And you have double, like, the the shapeshifters who just look like people. Um, or same with, like, werewolves unless they're transformed, like... I, and I really appreciate that this is, like, a humanoid being, but it's just, like, very distinctly, yeah. like... And they could get away with it because it could just be tattoos. Yeah. But it's, like, a very clear, distinctive yeah. look, um, and it makes them easy to identify, like, yeah. as you go through the series. Like, oh, that's a djinn. Like, yeah. um, and you sort of, like, it's a very good visual uh, cue. But also I really love, like, the blue flame effect. I love the glowing eyes. I just think it's all very effective. And the way that the... Jin is portrayed as almost like in a very creepy way like very gentle like there's mm. lots of like like they poison you with their hands by like caressing your face and in your hair and like yeah. it's a and like sort of coaxing it's not violent in like a it's like uh, if you can trust it against say like last episode the spirit it was very violent like it still grabbed sort of and it put its hand on their chest. Yeah, but in a very but different way. In a very different, it's very like it feels very violent because of the effects they used and the speed as well. And the speed as well. It just that contrast of the violence versus like the gin is also quick, but the way it moves is more like fluid, fluid. and graceful, and it's sort of like yeah. it does seem more like a caress versus like yeah. And I think the other thing is like the gin's like whole shtick essentially is that it sort of lulls you into this false sense of security it creates this fake narrative Mm. where you're lulled into this sense of safety and security and i think that is also sort of seen in its own mannerisms like it's gentle and it doesn't like if someone who you were close with or like intimate with did that to you it would be a loving gesture but when it's a stranger and when you're in like a abandoned warehouse and when you're tied up and you're having your blood slowly drained like very different and that juxtaposition between the gentle way it treats its victims and the the horrific horrific reality reality of them 
tied up and being drained really slowly, which, like, it looks like it's draining it into, like, blood bags. Yeah. And, like, it's, like, for safekeeping, I guess. Like, why don't they just rob a blood bank? I guess it's, like, well, if you want a, like, realistic answer, the markings on their face, I would assume, would make them easily identifiable if they were caught on security footage. Although I have a feeling, and feel free to hit me up on Tumblr and correct me if I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that in later seasons they make it so that, like, they can choose whether or not they're showing those markings. Like, they can... It's almost like uh, how the Striga, like, mm-hmm. vulnerable when they feed. I have a feeling... It's been a while, but it could be similar. Like, while they're actively hunting, yeah. they have that appearance. Like, while they're using their magic regularly. But then if they're not... They can use their magic to sort of hide in Suppress, yeah, and just appear, yeah. like, a as human. a plain face. Which, if they don't have to go hunting because they're just robbing blood banks... Yeah. Way easier. They could just look normal all the time. True. Um, but, yes, so that is interesting. We'll have to bear that in mind for, like, later on because I mm. have a feeling they do make that part of the canon law. But, oh, God, again, it's been a little while. And that's not until, mm. like, late seasons. Like, I want to say 10, 11, 12, maybe even later than that. Mm. I Again, I could be wrong. Hit me up. Let me know. But yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about while we're on it about the gin like itself as a because it is a new monster within the sheep series. Yeah. So is there anything that stuck out to you or that questions you have? Again, they're just like weirdly specific with how you've got to kill it, which is like that's part seems of the course. part of the course for like every monster of the week at this point. It's like a silver knife dipped in lamb's blood, like. How did they discover that? I think a lot of it is like a ritual kind of thing, but also when it comes to the specificity of how monsters have to die, I think like that kind of is used as a way to like add to the stakes. Like they can't just shoot it. Like yeah. they have to find this ingredient. They have to find this. They it has to be yeah. within this time period. Like it just it's a narrative device that makes it more difficult for them to actually yeah. win. Mm-hmm. And I think no, I'm not yeah. complaining about them having like specific ways, but like, How who, who was out? the first person who was like, ah, yes, like were they like cutting lamb? They or something just for slaughtered dinner? a lamb for dinner, and, and they, they were like, oh, stabby, stabby, <laughs> like, and specifically silver knife. Yeah, too. yeah. Like, I understand like the whole purpose of having like specific like materials and rituals that will kill things, but sometimes you just gotta ask like. Who was the first person to kill a gin then? Like, how did they know? Yeah. Like, what was lucky it guess. Trial and error? Was it the lucky like, guess? Like, did they, you know, I don't know, stab him with a steel knife with dipped in lamb's blood and go, oh, close but no cigar? Like, honestly, I think a lot of the stuff, like, in terms of, like, way back when, I don't know how you would maybe explain it, but as the series goes on, you learn a lot more about, like, the hunting community and the hunting community that has been around for hundreds and hundreds mm. of years. So I think that... No, no, it makes sense why they know it. Because, like, obviously people have killed gins before. But, like, how did the first person work out that it was a silver knife dipped in blood? Like, well, it's that's just very... Point. It's not just, like, a silver knife dipped in blood. It's not just, like, you know, a silver knife. It's not just, like, any sort of knife dipped in blood. It's, it's very specific yeah, about the sort of knife and the sort of blood. That's my point, though, because there are definitely organisations that we learn about at a later date that would just capture a monster purely to find out how to kill it. Like, they would just hold it for experimentation. 
Okay, so a lot of these like specific so rituals are like it's like that's how they could have like it could have been like a fluke accident, yeah. and maybe they've known for thousands of years, or it could be like oh well they we were, were just unkillable, so you just sort of avoided them, and then they managed to capture one more of a, like a war crimes yeah. sort of scenario. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. So that's how I assume they like narrowed down those techniques. It's like, well, we stabbed it with this, didn't work. Let's try stabbing it with something else. Oh, well, that kind of seemed to work. Maybe if we add something to that, maybe blood. Okay, who? What kind of blood have we got in the fridge? Okay, well, let's try, let's try fucking whale blood. No, that didn't work. Okay, let's try unicorn blood. No, lamb. Well, hey, that had that worked. Cool. Write that down. You know. Um, and it also when you're talking about supernatural, like species they are species so you can mm-hmm. be like okay well uh for example you talk about strigas being a type of mm-hmm. vampire well okay we know that beheading works for vampires so have we tried beheading a striga and so it's that kind yeah. of flow chart i guess of like okay what's most likely based on the genetic like family tree and then it's from science that point, yeah, yeah yeah and then from but that also point, war crimes down. yes so like big yikes big yikes oh definitely big yikes but yeah you know you understand what i'm telling you okay Let's talk about what the episode was actually about. I was just going to say, I was like, I feel like we're talking a lot about the gin, which is great and all, but like... And the mowing the lawn scene, which is also like irrelevant. Well, here's my thing, because actually the mowing the lawn scene is incredibly relevant. I think that scene is one of the pinnacle moments of the episode. Because you're... You just like it because you felt represented. I did. You felt seen. I did. But... The decoding intensified. (laughs) But that's not the only reason that I love that scene. I think that scene almost perfectly encapsulates why this episode hits so hard. Because he's hanging out with his mum, which mm. is like, we'll get to that. But he looks out the window and he's, you know, he's saying to his mum, hey, that lawn looks like it could use a mow. And what he's saying is, I want to do a nice thing for my mum. Not because I have to, not because she expects it of me, not, and like, it's like a normal thing. Like, this is what a son would just be doing for his mum if they lived normal lives. If it was just Mary's his mum and he's round for the day and, hey mum, I'll mow the lawn while I'm here. And then she makes the jokes like, you want to mow the lawn? And he wants to mow the lawn because of course he does because it's normal and he wants to do something nice for his mum and she's like you act like you've never done it before and he hasn't and like that's part of it because he's never like it's what it's a he's chore, never had a home but it's the privilege that, of having yeah. a lawn to mow like no one wants to do the dishes but it's the privilege of having dishes that are dirty. Yeah. Because and having, you've eaten from them. Yeah. Like it's no You one made wants, yourself dinner and now you've got pots and pans and plates and bowls and yeah, shit. Exactly. Like no one wants to have to clean their room, but it's the privilege of having a space that is yours and your responsibility that's full of your crap, and that's why it's dirty. Like, it's so much more than just the chore. Like for Dean, it's like, yeah, because he's never had a lawn to mow and he's never had a mother to do it for like you know it's just i think that scene like as funny as it is and like the physical comedy in it is great and like i said i feel so seen with my struggles it's so much more than that but notice okay this is this is supposedly like a happy fantasy for dean right comforting fantasy for Mm -hmm, dean mm -hmm. john is still dead yeah i know i know even in his literal wildest dreams John is fucking dead. And 
If that doesn't speak volumes. Mary's alive, but John is dead. Mary's alive, John's dead. Like, and here's the thing. It's not like John died instead of Mary. It's not like John is still there and they're happily married and nothing ever happened. John's still dead. In Dean's fantasy, John didn't have to be dead. No. In Dean's ultimate fantasy, fantasy. He could have been alive, just like Mary, just like Jess. But no. He's dead. And I'm not saying that was an intentional desire on Dean's part, but subconscious? Abso-fucking-lutely. Absolutely. In reality, scheduling just couldn't get, what, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the actor who plays John Winchester. (laughs) (laughs) Though, I will admit, all of the, um, like, the the photo shoots and the Photoshop photos. They're terrible. I fucking love the, like, pictures of baby Jensen and Jared, though. They're so funny. Like, that one prom photo or whatever of Jensen. He's got, like, curtain bangs. (laughs) Hilarious. But yeah, the Photoshop where it's got like Jeffrey Dean Morgan and like like tiny Jared Padalecki and like tiny uh, Jensen and then tiny or not tiny Mary, but like um, no, yeah, Samantha Smith who plays Mary. And yeah, they're all. It's like they took four separate photos and like tried to shop them together, but yeah. there's like four different lighting situations. But also, like, like <laughs> this is like pre-COVID. Like, there's no reason for them to have to like. Yeah, I think it's like um, they could have just done a fake photo shoot of Mary and John. John, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I love the photos just because they're fucking funny. Um, but also, uh, in the very sort of start of the dream scenario montage when Dean wakes up, um, oh, important we haven't even mentioned, Carmen, who is his sort of like, I guess girlfriends, they never really specify that. I don't think they're married. No. But there's no implication that they're married. But, and all separate surnames and all those things. Yeah. But, um... They are clearly in a long-term relationship. Like, they live together. They're happy together. She's clearly far too good for him. Yep. Uh, You know, very, like, supportive, like, open communication. She's a nurse, which is, like, Dean has, like, a whole thing about medical professionals, which we'll get into. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if I want to, but can I just, like... (laughs) Is there, like, a no option I can check for this one? There is, like, an in-universe version of Grey's Anatomy that's, like, called Dr. Sexy. And Dean is obsessed with it. It's like his guilty pleasure soap opera, and we'll get to it. But, <laughs> um, yeah, like, here's a whole thing about it. And I love in the episode, he's like, I'm dating a nurse. How respectable. Like, <laughs> you know, but it's it's so much of what we've talked about, about Dean needing and wanting is a stable home life and having someone who will stay and love him even though, you know, even in this world, he's, like, an alcoholic. He didn't remember his mom's birthday and, like... Though, to be fair, though, a lot of the, like, Dean is screwing up things mm. are not necessarily because Dean's a screw-up or he's a, he's a screw-up in the universe. Mm. It's, like, like the only thing, really, that they mentioned that means that he's a screw-up in the universe is the drinking thing. Yeah. But and even that- everything else is, like... Because he's not from that universe, you know? Like, yeah. It's because he doesn't know these things. Like, he... Yeah, exactly. Like, and even the, like, drinking, like, Dean in our universe drinks a lot. Yeah. Obviously. Like, and it is a problem Yeah, that comes up more and more. But, you know, it's it's one of these things where even though, obviously, he's had this struggle, he's obviously had the support of his 
girlfriend and his mother and Mm. to a lesser extent because they're clearly not as close and they live far away but Sam and Jess and when Dean sees Jess yeah and he just throws himself at her and he's just so relieved to see her and so happy that he barely knew this woman yeah he met her like once literally and he just spent the entire interaction hitting on her in like a very uncomfortable way yeah but he's just so happy that she's alive and that she's with Sam and that Sam's happy Sam is happy and god like reverts back to must protect Sam yeah yeah like Sam's happiness above his own happiness yeah and it's like what I was actually starting to talk about sorry no 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 this is like I went off on my own tangent we got distracted but when he wakes up and he's at the house and he's with calm and he doesn't recognize where he is he goes out and he's reading the post or whatever um and she comes out and they have their little interaction he sends her back to the bedroom like oh come meet you and he sees the photo and when he sees it he just drops it and it just smashes and it's because he's seen a photo of mary yeah and so he goes home Mm. and finds mary and like he finds out that she's alive and just immediately nothing else matters like he has to go and see her like Beyond anything else, he just wants his home and his mum. Like, he just wants his family. And then, like, towards the middle of the episode, he starts to really, like, settle in and relax and, like, and like accept this new reality that he's got going on around him. And it's so nice. Like, he really starts to, like, open up with Carmen. And he has that moment with her on the couch where he's like, I get it. Like, I get why you're, like, the one. And it's, like... It's the most, like, emotionally vulnerable we've seen him with a woman outside of maybe Cassie. Um, And even that situation was very unique in its own sense, you know. And then we've got him, like, sitting on the couch and watching the cooking channel. And, like, you know, he's relaxing into things that he can just enjoy and like you know he he has a job like a normal job and he's mowing his mum's lawn and he's waving at the neighbor and like he works at the garage exactly which is makes so much sense i'm sure this episode spawned like a whole bunch of au fanfic oh yeah it's so many fan fictions dean is a mechanic so 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 many like it i mean it makes sense you know he he loves working on cars and later down the track there's like more of a discussion to be had about like if Dean was going to have a job outside of hunting so mm-hmm. I, I will leave that for a later date because I don't want to get too into it but okay. and there's so much else to cover in the there's episode. so much else to cover and also like we will get to talk about that at a later time and it's kind of spoilery if I bring up too much now but yeah like he's a civilian you know like oh god this episode gets me literally every time like I was watching this this morning and I was like so emotional I was like oh my god like it really just pulls at your heartstrings very yeah. effectively. It's like, I don't, like, he just so desperately wants, like, this calm, stable, normal life. Like, you know, he's got a normal job. He's still got his family. Like, and then it's like, oh, it's all fake. Like, the gin doesn't grant wishes. The gin traps you in your own wish. Yeah, exactly. Another thing that I just very quickly want to point out, and it's not, I mean, it's not hugely, like, plot relevant, but... It is really interesting. So the necklace that Dean always wears. Yeah. Yeah. You know the one. It's, he he yeah. wears it literally all the time. That has like a little bit of like backstory behind it as to how yeah. he got that. And I realized in this episode when he's in the dream reality, he's not wearing it. He's wearing like... Is the backstory like it was Mary's or something? The backstory is relevant to Sam. Oh. And so without him and Sam being close, Sam... Like, they never had the interaction where Dean yeah. gets the necklace. So there, it makes no sense for him yeah. to be wearing it. Yeah, so, like, I realised, I was like, oh, I, like, I'd never really noticed 
But for some reason, when I was watching it today, like that first scene where he sits up in bed and like there's the silver chain. I was like, why has he got a silver chain? I was like, that's not his necklace. I was like, what is he wearing? And then it was so obvious to me through the whole episode. I was like, I don't know where he got this necklace. Like, I don't. It's. I I think it's just non-significant. I think it's just. Yeah, but it's just like distinctly different. Yeah. From the one he normally wears, and for some reason, I don't know if it never stuck out to me before but i realized like yeah because obviously in this version of reality sam and dean don't get on yeah like they're not they're brothers but like they're yeah but they're not they're not fully estranged they're like they're still family but they're not like well even bonded for life through the bloody trauma trauma they've endured at the hands of john um yeah it's still like interesting though because sam says like dean like we don't talk outside of holidays like i don't why are you being so familiar and friendly with me like what has gotten into you. Yeah. And, like, what I think is so emotional about that is not that they aren't close necessarily, but the fact that Dean decides, he's like, I can fix it with Sam. Yeah. Like, it's fine. I can make this better. I can fix this. Of we can be happy. things in this reality that he wants to fix, that is, like, the number one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he barely cares that John is dead, yeah. but the fact that he and Sam aren't talking, he's like, do you know what? That's okay. I can make this work. Yeah. I've got my, he says to Carmen, you know, in that moment they have on the couch, he's like, I feel like I've been given a second chance yeah. and I'm going to make it work. I'm not going to take advantage, like, or not. I'm not going to take it for granted. granted. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, I'm going to be a better son. I'm going to be a better partner. I'm going to be a better brother. And he just, he's so willing to do that. Yeah. And it, like, what this happens in the span of, like, maybe 12 hours like and then of course law boy returns from stanford <laughs> yeah sorry i saw the law textbook i'm like i gotta make the job yeah and like yeah and sam's at stanford and he's studying law and he and jess got engaged as they you know would have yeah. and mary's happy and, and dean makes the point later in the episode when he's talking to real sam you know mary was gonna have like grandkids and yeah. like you know see a wedding and and Dean is just so fucking proud of Sam mm. as well. And it's so evident through this episode. Like, you know, he's watching him interact with Jess. He's hearing about Stanford and he's mm. like seeing Sam as he would have been. And he's so fucking proud of him. And like, it's so clear. I do think though that it's very interesting in this sort of utopian fantasy that the Jin's created for Dean. He's not hunting, but all of the stuff that he prevented happens yeah so all of the people that he saved are now dead i think it's interesting that the djinn because obviously the djinn has some control over yeah how this goes i find it really interesting that the djinn would leave yeah that happening and if they're trying to keep dean in this fantasy having all of the stuff that he prevented just happen is probably not the best way to do it yeah (laughs) i guess so i think that's a really interesting point and i wondered about this as well I wonder if it's again like because Dean knows that he was attacked by the djinn. Yeah. Like he's aware of that. He's not confused about why he's in this alternate reality. He fully understands because he has his past memories. But I think for it to make like sense to him and it kind of it kind of comes back to that um topic about it can't be perfect. Mm. For it to make sense to him if his wish was that Mary never died, yeah. right, and that's the pivotal change. That's the butterfly effect thing. Yeah, right? then for for the scenario to make sense, 
those people that they saved have to have died because he was never, like, they were never in a position to save them. Mm. And so I think it's, like, it does seem weird that in, like, this perfect utopia, these people that he's previously saved have died. But I think it it falls into that same category of, like, if they hadn't, like, his wish wasn't that there was no evil in the world to be hunted. His Mm. wish was that Mary didn't die. And so if Mary didn't die, it had certain ramifications. That's not the same ramifications if monsters just didn't exist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, more so, like more. what I'm trying to sort of get at, though, is if the djinn is trying to keep him trapped in this fantasy world, displaying to him that like if he wasn't a hunter, no one else would take his place mm. is maybe not the best way to keep him trapped in a fantasy world, you know? Because his sense of purpose does stem from saving people. Yeah, like, and I um I think that what is really interesting about that is that he goes to talk to John about it. Like he goes to the graveyard mm. to talk to John um, about John's softball team. Yeah, about John's softball team. Yeah, um, and I mm. actually wrote down a couple of the things that he said because it was very very important. And so he's having this discussion with essentially John's gravestone yeah but it's not even the john that he knew like it's a very different john john who had a softball team and john who was i want to know what the name of the softball team john was on do we ever find out i don't think so oh that makes me sad um did i mention it in the episode no i think mary just says he loved that stupid team Mm. but you know and a john that mary clearly misses and that sam misses and that's a very different john to the john that dean knows i mean not that sam doesn't miss him but you know what i'm getting at Sam misses John in a don't speak ill of the dead sort of way. I mean, he was still their dad. Like, they're still... Yeah. He still but also, loved him. You know what I mean? Like... It wasn't a... It's a very complicated relationship that they have. This would have been a much less complicated parent-child dynamic. <laughs> Mainly because they had a parent and Mary. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Dean is talking to this gravestone and he's saying, you know... Why is it my job to save all these people? Why do we have to sacrifice everything? Yeah. And he says at one point, I know what you would say. Well, not you, you, like the... You I know. The you that I know, essentially. You would say, oh, well, your happiness versus all of those lives. No contest. Yeah. And, like, isn't that... Oh. Like, remembering that just last episode we had a character who knew John say, oh, your daddy raised you right. And then we come to this, and it's like your your happiness is irrelevant. And doesn't that just daddy raised them right? Like, doesn't that just sum up so much of the relationship between John and Sam and Dean? Where it's like, I don't really care. Your your happiness is irrelevant if it comes in between my mission or my goal or whatever I deem to be the most important thing that's happening at the moment. Your happiness is irrelevant. If it is somehow contradictory or in the way of this goal. What matters is not your happiness. What matters is you doing what I want you to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're happy while you're doing what I want you to do, that's fine. I don't care. But you cannot be happy above doing what I think you need to do. Yeah. While we're on the topic of John, I was wondering if you had any thoughts about Mary. Well, they don't really show her a lot in this episode. Like, no. They definitely do that thing that they do in a lot of supernatural episodes with female characters where it's like, oh, like, the female character is there for story purposes not to be a character. Like, it's almost like 
the inverse of fridging. They yeah. brought her back for a man pain. But then they kind of just like refridged her anyway. Yeah, yeah, they so reconned it by the end of the episode. Yeah. But I was just wondering, like, because this is really the first time we've got anything of Mary that isn't like either her ghost form or like the 30 seconds bit from the pilot where she dies. And so I was wondering, did you have any, like, I don't know, did she give you any vibes? Like, she seems like a way better parent than John. Just oh, like, str- hands down. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, again, this Low is like, bar. <laughs> yeah, like, as long as she didn't tunnel underneath, yeah. she was fine, you know? Like, yeah. No, I didn't really have any profound thoughts about Mary. Oh, not necessarily like profound, but just like, I don't know, her vibe. Like, yeah. did she feel like, for me, like, obviously, Again, this episode doesn't give you a whole hell of a lot. But, like, she feels pretty maternal. She feels very warm. She she gives her love freely. She communicates well. You know, she's asking Dean if he's okay. And she's taking actively, like, taking she care of him. She reminds me a little of Ellen. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, she tells him, like, straight up, like, I love you. Yeah. You know? And notice, like, he says, me too. Like, he can't yeah. even say, I love you back to her. He like it's just this emotional that awkward moment when you're trapped in your own fantasy and you can't even say I love you to your mother, like <laughs> like the emotional big yikes. <laughs> big yikes the emotional boundaries there are just so apparent and it's interesting to see him in a scenario where he has a parent that he doesn't know but he trusts implicitly like he sees her and like you know it's so small well, he, he like hugs her and he's like oh you're beautiful like and he asks her. What did you say to me when you talked me to bed every night? And, you know. Then we get the whopper of a line of angels are watching over you, which just... Which I think is the third mention now of that. It's at least the second. Was this episode written by Sarah Gamble? Like, does this fit into the Sarah Gamble long-con? Funny that you should ask. It was written by Rael Tucker, who is Sarah Gamble's writing partner from season one. (laughs) Yeah. And it was directed so by... So maybe it's not just a Sarah Gamble long con. <laughs> maybe Rayel Tucker's in on it as well. She's, she's in on it. She's the... Uh, what's it? It's like the second man or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Right-hand man. Right-hand man. God damn, these two. They were like, we know angels will come eventually. Like, we're going to be ready when they do. Yeah. I didn't have a whole lot personally to say about Mary, but I was just curious to see if you had any thoughts. Like, just on her characterization, I guess. She gives me kind of like... Ellen vibes like like she's who Ellen would be if Ellen never married like a hunter and had a hunter bar and yeah so Ellen but like less rough around the edges yeah yeah so like maternal and like warm. Ellen if Ellen was a civilian yeah well mm. yeah yeah um okay cool I just thought I would ask so Bethany mm-hmm. I think it's about time for my PSA for this week do you have any guesses as to what it is Honestly, I'm drawing a complete blank on this one because I you told me off for guessing stuff that can't be physically possible within reality. So I feel like most of this episode gets discounted pretty immediately. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to hear my PSA and you're going to be like, that's a hell of a leap, Jamie. And you're correct because <laughs> there wasn't a lot in this episode, but I still – I found one. Okay. Okay. My PSA for this week. Be nice to your parents. Like, unless they're abusive pieces of shit, then don't be nice to your parents. But also, like, just some general respect. Just be nice to people. Just be nice to people. Like, you know? Dean didn't have to mow his mum's lawn. It really didn't need to be done. But he did it anyway because he respects his mother. So your PSA is basically altruism. Yeah. Just be nice for the sake of being nice, not because you expect a reward from it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can get behind that. I like altruism. Mm. Why not? This is the return of Mm -hmm. Dean just wanting to be helpful. 
like PAD in his back. He just has like a mother instead of a director now. Like, you know, like he's, he wants to be a good son so badly. Like, yeah. so badly. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's his entire personality, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and we've talked about this with John, but like the thing is with John, and we've talked about this as well, he could never win. But with Mary, like, you know, I think that's why he's so devastated when he realizes he didn't know it was her birthday. Yeah. Like on her birthday, she's making him lunch, mm. you know, and. Yeah, he, he just wants to be... He just wants his family. He wants to be a good son. I said this earlier. He wants to be a good partner and a good brother and, you know, all those things. You're looking at me like you've got something to say. I just realised something, and that's... They gave Carmen more personality than they gave Blurry Wife, who <laughs> Sam marries in the finale, if I'm not we mistaken. We don't even know if they're married. We know nothing. We it may not even be his wife. You just know that they probably had a child together and they lived happily ever after. Well, they certainly didn't live happily. The implication is that they had a child together. And that's, know, that's the extent of our knowledge. And Carmen, a character who is not even real. Who is based off um, an, an ad, ad for Dean's favourite beer. Yes. Yep. Literally, she's in this 40-minute episode for about, like, 20 minutes of it. Yeah. And she gets more personality than the person they ended. They decided to stick Sam with for the rest of, like, the... Eternity. Yeah. Yeah. For, like, 50 fucking years or whatever yeah. it is until he dies. Yeah. Spoilers. If you haven't seen the finale. Uh, Everyone I, I dies. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, oh, my friends are dead. <laughs> oh, when you quote Supernatural and you don't even know it. So, I did want to talk about, actually, how just like the pilot, Dean breaks into the house that Sam and Jess are sleeping with in. Sam gets up out of bed goes downstairs to intercept the intruder. They do the whole, like, you know, tackle or whatever. Dean gets him down and he's like, that was so easy. I'm almost embarrassed for you. And it's very much like the pilot. Like, that whole sequence is, like, beat for beat. Yeah. The same. Um, But obviously with such a different result and such a different interaction between him and Sam as well, like, at the end there. And also just the Sam in this universe, in this alternate reality, mm-hmm. has no reason to know how to defend himself against that. Yeah. Like, the the difference between Sam in the real world is Sam does have a reason to know how to defend himself against an attack like that. Because he was... do it, same as Dean. Yeah. Yeah. He was raised that way. He was been hunting monsters... Majority of his life. For a majority of his life. Like, it's only more recently that he is no longer hunting. Like... Whereas this universe, Sam... Has no need. He doesn't even know about yeah. the supernatural. Like, And that's another great thing about this scene where Dean, like, is... It, he's trying to take Silver from the cutlery drawer and Sam's, yeah. like, caught him in the act. And he's like, really? You're, like, stealing from mom? Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, this is a new low, even for you, kind of thing. And, and Dean's like, oh, I've got to tell you the truth. And then he's like... Oh, immediately it's lies. Like, he's like, do you want the truth? And Sam's like, yeah. And he's like... I owe money. <laughs> like, I'm just like, bro, no, you don't. Like, um, and actually I love when the Dean goes to get in the car. Yeah. And he takes the knife. He's like, I look, Sam, like, I'm sorry that we're not close. And they have this sort of moment, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then he, he's like, he's made his decision that he has to leave. He has to kill the gym. Yeah. And so he leaves and he gets in the car and then Sam gets in with him. And Sam does this whole, oh, look, like, you're still my brother. I'm not going to let you go into this dangerous situation alone. Yeah. Like, you dumb fuck. I'm coming with you. And Dean calls him a bitch. And Sam just looks at him like, what are you calling me a bitch for? And it, it makes me laugh every time. And then Jim trying to explain, like, you're, 
you're supposed to say jerk. And Sam's like, why? And it's like, it, you just remember, it's like, oh yeah, they have like no relationship. No, like, like all of the Dean inside jokes. And the... to Sam, like in this universe when they were growing yeah. up. And yeah, all their inside jokes, they just... Gone. Never happened. Yes. But Dean remembers all of them. Yeah. And just like Dean explaining the truth to Sam, just in general, in that like, because Sam's a civilian, he doesn't fucking know. And then when Sam finds the um, lamb's blood in the car. Yeah. I love it. Like the whole, it's, it's. And he's offended little, my phone. Yeah. When Dean just chuck, I love like Sam's like calling whatever. And you can just see the window lowering. (laughs) And Dean just yoink, yeet. And it's just gone. And it's, oh, so fucking funny. And it's, I'm glad that they had that little bit of humor in there because it really comes between two quite emotionally. Yeah heavy scene. Because this episode's kind of depressing, like, not gonna lie. It's, yeah, it's... it's, Like, if you think about it for longer than ten seconds, mm -hmm, it's kind of depressing. mm -hmm. It's got that supernatural effect, yeah. Um, Or maybe we should just call it the Dean Winchester effect. If you think about it for more than ten seconds, it makes you want to scream and cry. Again, the the decision for him to eat is coming back to bite him again, though, (laughs) as he shoves that sandwich in his mouth. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the final sort of scene within the dreamscape where he basically is like he's putting the pieces together Mm. and fake sam is trying to like pull him out and he's like come on like let's just go home like we'll figure this out like come on like you you need help you know let's go like and obviously it's because like that's like an inbuilt safety mechanism essentially but dean sort of theorizes that when you're asleep and you're dreaming if you die in the dream you wake up And so his thought is that if he dies in this, what he has decided now is like an alternate reality and not like he, he knows that he is unconscious. He rather than actually being physically in that space. And so he sort of applies the same logic and he decides, well, if I die, then I'll wake up. That's the theory. And obviously no one's going to kill him. So he has to kill himself. And um, Sam's like, you know, talking to him and and Dean's like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure like 90% sure. And like, Pretty sure makes a return. Pretty sure makes a return. Like, I'm really pretty sure. I don't even know where to jump in from there. But let's talk about that final scene. Yeah. When he's, like, aware that he is not inhabiting physical space. He's not a real person. Yeah. He is in a dream. Yeah. And they all just sort of, like, pop up like daisies. Yeah, yeah. And they're all, like, trying to convince him. And he's like, yeah, but I'm going to die. Like, I'm... I'm going to die. If I stay. If I stay. And he, they're like, oh, but it'll feel like years in here. Like, yeah. y- you can, you know, what have grandchildren and blah, blah. You know, it's going to. Um, and for me, it's just sort of like John was basically given this same choice. Yeah. To leave or stay. And John was like, nah, let everyone else grieve me. And Dean was like. I can't leave Sam I can't alone. leave Sam alone. And just like. Doesn't that prove that Dean's a better parental figure than John? Yeah. And I think, like, I actually wrote down some of the things that they said to him to get him to stay. Mm. And I think Mary started off by saying, like, it's everything you want. Like, we're a family again. There's no more pain here. Just love and comfort and safety. And she emphasizes safety as well. Um, And then I think... Jess says to him, you know, you don't have to worry about Sam anymore. And then Carmen is like, we can have a family. And it's like, it's these things that he wants for himself. But the reason why it's appealing in this reality is because it's not something that's achievable in his own. 
And like, that is just, oh, it's sad. It's just sad. And like, for the character, and like, you see it in later episodes and stuff, we get a lot more of like, Dean interacting with kids. And like, he is really good with kids. Like, I mean, you see it with Lucas. Yeah. Dead in the water, and like, you know, some other instances we've already come across. And because he like, helped raise Sam, or he essentially mm-hmm. raised Sam, like, he's good with kids, and like, he would you know, if he wasn't in the situation he's in, would probably want to be a parent. And, like, we see him wanting these long-term relationships and not being able to have them. And it's just... Oh, it's just heartbreaking. And especially not having to worry about Sam anymore. And, like, that is, like, regarding so many things. Like, it's just in general, like, how dangerous their lives are day to day. But, like, also, like, in this scenario, like, Sam's not having visions. Sam's, like, just at Stanford, just living his, you know good old life. We should probably talk about, like, the girl that he keeps seeing everywhere. Oh, who, like, appears as a ghost? Yeah, and the yeah. way that reality is sleeping through. through for him, even though he's, like, Under not aware. Because, like, yeah. another scene we just completely ignored, when he goes and sees the professor and he's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> hypothetically. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of in Scarecrow when yeah. he does basically the same thing as he goes and asks the local, like, um, mythological professor yeah. and he's and they're like hmm oh yeah so what do you think it would take to kill one of these i mean hypothetically yeah i yeah. know they're not real <laughs> yeah no I, it is very fun and i love that these like academics were just willing to like humor them so much yeah um though to be fair that's like on brand though like i'm a giant nerd you're a giant giant say you were a professor at university oh yeah about some really nerdy topic and someone was like i want to learn about this jamie i'd be like yes i literally started a supernatural podcast like any opportunity for me to not shut up about what i'm obsessively about yeah 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 um yeah no i think I do like the way that they showed the reality seeping through. I liked that they sort of presented them as ghosts. Yeah. Um, although the literal skeletons in the closet, I guess, don't come across as ghosts. No. <laughs> they were more, I don't know, just stationary. Like, yeah. Ghosts it was an interesting choice to skeletons. have that, like, have that be the thing that sort of, like, seeps into the reality. Because, like, I understand seeing, like, the girl who's still alive as a ghost. But, okay, I have a question. Yeah. Logistically. Okay. Do you think the gin can see that what it's projecting into their minds? Does it just have like a way of watching them? And like, when does it get bored? Does it go like, oh, I'm gonna turn on this channel? Like, gonna watch this fake reality I've created for them? I mean, maybe. I or like, so what I really want to know? Forge a psychic link if that was the case, and I don't know if they do. Does the gin see the scene where Dean is pretending to kill, like where Dean is like trying to kill the gin in the dream? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think that, like, because you know how Sam's, like, trying to talk him out of it. So I think I think there must be some sort of inbuilt sort of safety mechanism for the djinn where, like, the characters within the dream sequence will try and dissuade the person from investigating, from, like, questioning their surroundings. I think that, like, must be, like, a... Built-in mechanism of yeah. the enforced dream but but no i just want to know like does the gin know what it's actually projecting in or is it just sort of like the mind itself creates something just based on yeah um here we go so according to the bestiary 
On the surface, these monsters appear similar to the genies of legend. They are immortal beings who can make a person's deepest desires become reality. The truth, however, is far more sinister. Jinn feed on human blood, like vampires, to whom they may be related, but instead of attacking their victims directly, they telepathically reach into a person's mind to learn what they most want. Then, with a simple touch, they release powerful hallucinogenic poison into their victim's system, raising their dopamine levels and causing them to believe they're living out their most cherished fantasies. While victims are in this trance-like state, jinn will feed on them for a long period of time. The only way for a victim to break free of a jinn's spell is to commit suicide within the fantasy realm, which is easier said than done. The one we fought had holed up in an abandoned warehouse and it poisoned Dean. Dean's fantasy was a reality where our mother had never died, but he knew it was too good to be true. He escaped by taking his own life in the dream scenario and he killed the jinn by the preferred method, stabbing it with a silver knife dipped in lamb's blood. So I guess they do have an ability to have a telepathic link. Hmm. So yes, there is a chance that they saw the bit where they try to kill him in the dream. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a potential. Yeah. I love how in that though, the the excerpt you just read us from the bestiary. Yeah. It describes it as Dean knew the reality was too good to be true. Mind you, this is the reality in which he's estranged from his brother. Yeah. His family's convinced he's an alcoholic. Yeah. And yeah. his father's dead. Like Yeah. It's not like this was some perfect utopia and, like... Yeah, well, and that's the thing that I was saying before. Like, it still had to be, like, believable. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, the thing about... But his fantasy was not shitty enough. Yeah. While we are talking, though, about this episode, I do want to point out that the way they lit the episode was, like, substantially different to how they lit, like, every other episode. Like, it was way brighter than any other episode. And I think... Maybe that's what tipped Dean off as to be true. Right? Yeah. Do yeah. you remember me saying ages ago that like they often show different locations using different filters and lighting? Yeah. This is like one of those cases, like this is a happy, like it's a utopia. So of course it's not so it's be dark. well lit. Yeah, mm. and then if you notice like when they go back to reality at the end mm. of the episode, it's all grainy and dark mm. again. And like it's taking them back to reality. And you know what I think I hate most about this episode? What? It demonstrates that the lighting team does know how to properly light a scene. They just choose not to. Oh, the skill and the knowledge is there. And the budget is there. Yeah. Yeah. They could. They, they could have a decently lit season. Mm. But, like, they, they choose. choose not to. Yeah. Um, one thing, speaking of the very end of the episode where Dean has kind of woken up, I guess, and they've escaped. And thankfully the girl who kept... Popping in and out. Oh, this is what I was going to say before. We kind of, we got derailed, but... Oopsies. I think what was interesting about them having what was visually around Dean in reality popping into the dream sequence was that if you are asleep in real life and there is noises going on around you, you have those noises sometimes can infiltrate into your dreams. Like you might have, um, you might fall asleep watching TV and then you can hear dialogue or music or whatever from the television in your dream or like I've had where I've fallen asleep with the radio on and I had a dream where I was when I was still in school and I the dream was my entire class just spontaneously started singing this song and I remember being like wow we're really good and then it was because the fucking radio was on and I was just hearing the radio and my brain was just making a scenario that incorporated what I could hear yeah um and so I think it was a very interesting an accurate kind of way of him to yeah. be able to pick, huh, this this isn't real because it's like seeing glimpses yeah. of reality in a way that, like, you would if you were asleep. Yeah. Like, 
you're taking the external stimuli that your brain is intercepting and, and you're inserting it, it into, into your dream in a way that is realistic for him because also like he saw her as a ghost because yeah. that would make sense yeah but it wasn't reality it's just the most realistic interpretation his brain could make in that scenario yeah especially considering he knows that in this universe the supernatural does exist mm. like because there is that thing of all of those people that were hurt by monsters that he saved are no longer saved in this version of reality yeah yeah like, obviously none of it's real and like None of it's real to an even greater extent because it's a fucking TV show. But, like, <laughs> um, yeah. But, but, like, even within the TV show, this it's not real. Like, yeah. And um, I want to just, at the end of the episode, which is what I was starting to talk about before, mm-hmm. once Dean has woken up and they've, you know, luckily that the girl survives and they go back to the motel and he's talking to Sam about it. And, actually, I was surprised because a lot of the time through the show – Brothers will act as if they don't remember what has happened so that they can't have a conversation about it. Like something like this will happen where they have a very emotional or vulnerable experience and the other one will ask them like, oh, like what happened? Or like ask them questions. I'll be like, I don't remember. Like I just blacked out or like, I don't know, like amnesia kind of thing. And so I was surprised. Like I fully expected that that was how this episode ended. I forgot that Dean actually was telling Sam what had happened. Yeah. Because it's so like, I'm just got... I've gotten so used to them just pretending yeah. that they don't remember it to avoid having yeah. to have that discussion. Um, but it leads to a really interesting interaction between the two of them where Dean is saying, like, all I can think about is how much this job has cost us. Like, we've lost so much, sacrificed so much. Mm-hmm. And he's right. And Sam counters with, yeah, but, like, it's worth it, you know. And... I think it's interesting. They kind of leave the episode off with Sam being like, well, it's worth the sacrifice. It's worth this. It's worth that. And Dean's opinion is left like quite ambiguous. Yeah. Like he doesn't necessarily agree with Sam. He doesn't actively disagree with him in that moment either, but he certainly doesn't jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. And especially having just had him talk about how it was so hard for him to choose to leave that reality, Mm -hmm. how much easier it would have been just to stay, how much he wanted to stay and repair that relationship with Sam and and make it the utopia that he wanted. I just think it's really interesting. Dean Winchester gave in to the inherent supernatural urge to fix it. (laughs) He saw a piece of media. It was in his own head. But he saw a piece of media and he's like, I could fix this. I could make it better. Oh, no. (laughs) The most meta show to ever meta. Am I wrong? No, that's why it's funny. (laughs) He was like, I see this in my own head. Like, the only thing wrong is that like, I love that the fact that the only thing wrong was that he and Sam weren't close enough. Not that, like, John was dead or, yeah. like, <laughs> no, the real issue here was he wasn't close with his brother anymore and he was like, I can fix it. Yeah. I can take this TV show and make it better by being friends with my brother. Like, yeah. Oh. That was the, the one thing that was wrong that he was like, I can, I'm going to fix this. Yeah. Because, like, all the other stuff he doesn't really... Like, he doesn't know what sort of partner he was. He doesn't know what sort of son he was. But he knows what sort of brother he is. And so he saw this reality and was like, I can fix it. Yeah. He's like, I can be a way better brother than I have been to you in this scenario already. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's it's so sad that he didn't get to. 
Mm. Like, obviously, I'm glad he didn't die, but, like, it's a pity that he didn't actually get a second chance. Yeah. And he didn't have the opportunity to explore that. And It's sad that this isn't actually his reality. Yeah. And that it was a gin-induced hallucination. Yeah. Okay, there is one other thing that maybe we should discuss, and okay. just because it annoyed me, like, a little bit. Okay. Let's jump back to the very start of the episode. Oh, okay. He decides to hunt the gin alone. Yeah, I thought you'd bring that up. This thing that is, like, functionally immortal. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, nah, don't worry, Sam. I'm going to go on my own. Yeah. Like, I know. I thought that too. And Dean is so smart but so fucking dumb at the same time. Like, It's the syndrome that they all seem metronome. to have. Metronome. Yeah, literally. It's like they can't decide if John was a good person or not. They can't decide if Sam or Dean are intelligent or not. They can't decide. Like, It just depends on the episode. I think that annoyed me a little bit as well, but I like I understand why they did it. Like it functionally to get to the point they needed to, they had to have them split up. They it had a just cool much, concept, but it was just yeah, like they had to get there somehow. And yeah. I think it just it just was easiest to just be like, yeah, Dean just like went to do this thing by himself. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's that's it. Oh, I, also I loved um, Sam being like. There's a cop outside, like because it's a continuation yeah. of the previous episode. Yeah. So again, we're like keeping that continuity of like Hendrickson. Yeah, we're we're keeping the continuity of like um, the consequences. Consequences. For their thank so. you. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. They're keeping the continuity of the consequences following them from previous episodes, and not just immediately forgetting that they just escaped prison, literally the like week before. <laughs> it just occurred to me, and this is the wrong episode. I know this okay. straight up, but. They decided the easiest way to investigate a haunting at a prison... Was just to get arrested? Why didn't they just get positions as guards? Easier to get arrested. Or come in as visitors or, like... Yeah. No, oh, yeah. There's, like, a million other ways they could have done that. I think it just this was the most without interesting circumstance. Without adding prison escape to their fucking rap sheets. Yeah. There's probably an easier way to investigate that haunting without... Well, probably, but it would have been less fun to watch. I think I think a Looks lot of convenient. I, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of the time, like you know, we'll we'll harp on about like, oh, that was stupid. Why did they make that decision? But I think a lot of it does sometimes come down to just okay. But if they did the logical thing, it wouldn't have been as fun to watch. Yeah, like because ultimately, like the show is not about what is the most logical answer. It's about what is entertaining because that's what it's for. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, like. Okay, so I think that just about does it for today's episode. So, Jamie, as always, how would you rate this episode of Supernatural? Okay. I'm going to give it a four out of five stars. <gasps> a four out of five. If you'd given it any less, I would have actually been furious. <laughs> Not going to lie. I was like, if she gives this any less than a four, I'm going to be so angry. <laughs> I think it was a really interesting concept and they executed it really well which is like a refreshing change of pace because we've had a couple of like really cool concept episodes in the last couple of mm. episodes that we've reviewed like uh hollywood babylon and tall tales yeah and, and it's like only like this one and hollywood babylon have even come close to like nailing it yeah like doing their cool concept justice yeah no, I, I adore this episode. Also, I do just really think it's funny, though, that in his utopia, his dad's still dead. Yeah. 
vindication. Like, because there's no constraints on this. Like, it's all in his head. Like, his yeah. dad could be alive. Like, it would make literally no difference. Like, no more power. Like, yeah. But in Dean's ultimate fantasy, John is still dead. Yeah. And whether that's just like a scheduling conflict thing, they couldn't get. I don't care back. why it happened. I think it's. Funny. Or if it was a writing choice, that like still. Yeah. If Rael was like looking at that, going, mm, "Fuck John," like. <laughs> I don't care what happened. I just think it's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Made the episode so much better. Okay, so. The other exciting thing is, this is episode 20, there are 22 episodes in the season, and I don't know if you noticed, but the last two episodes are a two-part season finale. So They really like those, don't they? They do, and I also really like them, so I'm not mad. The season finale, or the next episode, is All Hell Breaks Loose Part 1. I'm going to assume... That is some of that overarching plot that you promised me in this season that I felt like I've got <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you one way or the other, but... I, I mean, you can tell me. Well, I'm not going to. <laughs> but also, if you did tell me, it still wouldn't really be a spoiler to tell me overarching plot stuff is going to happen. Okay, well then, yes, overarching plot stuff is going to happen. Lovely. Thank you for the confirmation. I knew I was right anyway, but it's always (laughs) nice to get told that you are right. Alrighty. Is there anything that you are looking for out of the season finale other than just generally overarching plot? Like, is there anything specific that you're hoping for? Is it possible for John to die again? (laughs) Well... I mean, you can put it on your wish list. Because, <laughs> look, he died in reality. He died in Dean's dream. Yeah. I want him to die again. I want him full to trifecta. Yeah, I want him to die like six or seven more times. How would he ultimately die if you... If 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 he were to die again mm. at some point in the season finale, yeah. how would you do it? He should get shot with a gun that kills anything. <laughs> Wait, so in this, in this instance, your first reincarnating him or like resuscitating him yeah and just to shoot him again yeah. all right <laughs> um, hey you didn't say it had to be what i thought was actually going to happen you said what's on my wish list okay that's it okay okay what well, what do you think will actually happen in the season finale uh-huh. maybe they're finally gonna use the special children for what they've designed the special children for because, like, it's very clear they're trying to put the kids in a specific spot. So the reason all these kids are in this specific spots is going to be revealed. Okay. I mean, I think that's a fair enough assumption. Mm. Like. And then all hell will break loose. <laughs> just face it. As per title. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So um, I think that just about does it for this week's episode. If you would like to interact with me and Jamie beyond just listening to us ramble incoherently for an hour every week, you can always hit us up on our social medias. You can always find Jamie over on Twitter at DriverPixPod. Um, I think she would love it if you sent her some ideas for the name of John's softball team. I think that could be very fun. It's annoying me that we don't know the name. <laughs> so, yeah, if you've got any ideas, send them her way. She'll reply she'll reply <laughs> yeah but if you want to get in touch with bethany she's over on tumblr at driver picks the podcast and the gin's her favorite creature in supernatural what's your favorite supernatural creature Ooh, yeah i want to know yeah and why 
Yeah. Because, like, for Bethany, we know it's the ability to really examine trauma that means that she loves the gin. So, like, maybe your reason's less serious. Maybe you just think vampires look cool. (laughs) Yes, no, I'm very excited to hear other people's opinions on what and why uh, they have picked as their favourite. Or even if you have a favourite. I don't know if most people do. I just know that I do, and it's the gin. So, guess I'll find out. Or maybe I won't. Depends on if you message me. (laughs) Doubtful after that outro. Jesus. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Hopefully we have you back again next week. And 